Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Uh, welcome, friends. That's, uh, that's the cry of our heart, right? There's a lot that needs to be overcome. And uh, may, may God give us the grace to join with Jesus in the, in the overcoming. So I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. And it's super great to be in worship with you today and with our friends who are on Zoom. Uh, it's always good to be with God. God's people gathered together. So we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. So that's what we're all about as a church, and we're glad we get to be that with you. So um, a couple of little details. Uh, one is if you're new around City Church, you're going to want to know where the bathrooms are, particularly if you're here in person. I'm guessing if you're on Zoom, you probably know where your bathroom is. I'm not going to tell you. Um, but uh, straight through this door into the auditorium, you can take an immediate left, go up the stairs, and there's a restroom there if you need it. So, which is a good thing. Uh, and we love to pray over our kids at City Church. So Charmaine, where is Charmaine? She's out here. There, come on up. Charmaine's going to pray over our kids before they go have their craft time. So yeah, welcome Charmaine. Uh, let's pray for our kids. Dear God, thank you for the kids in our lives. Um, as they go to Kidsmen, may they just learn of your goodness and love and have a blessed time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So kiddos, if you want, you can go with Charmaine and Emma and have a little snack and a little craft. And yes, that'll be a beautiful thing. So um, and now, oh, our other fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. I just my <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> and our amazing pastoral resident, Dottie Olson. This is the first time Dottie and I get to co-preach together today, and it has been just a really, really fun process. It is really good to see everybody here this morning in person, and I know we've got some folks online, so hello, friends online. Um, yeah, you know, post-Easter, it felt like a really good time just to kind of launch into something a little new, a little different. Uh, and so you guys have actually helped us pick what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, really few months, uh, because a little bit ago we put out a poll, you know, through our handout and social media and asked you, like, would you guys tell us, like, what are some of your favorite and least favorite Jesus stories? And already some of you may be going, whoa, we're allowed to have least favorite Jesus stories, but you know you do. You know you do. The ones where you're just kind of like, what was he saying? I don't get that. Um, just the big questions that you're not sure if you're allowed to ask in church. We say, yeah, let's actually ask them in church. Plus, as preachers, I think we felt like we needed a challenge, right? Like, I mean, come on, let's let's get into like some of the good stuff, right? And so we are calling this sermon "Complicated Jesus," because Jesus actually can be complicated, and that's okay. Because I don't know if you guys have any like relationships that aren't complicated. Like in my world, real relationships are messy real people are complicated so if we actually think that jesus is real if we actually think that jesus has something to say about our lives it's actually going to be complicated so a story to kick off today's sermon today's questions that we're going to be asking it actually comes from one of you because a couple of weeks ago after the sermon um, somebody came up to me and said hey brenna i've got a question and uh I mean, I, I don't want to be rude. I really like City Church, 
And I want to believe what you guys are saying up there, but what if you're wrong? It's like, tell me more, but I assume I'm wrong about something. You know, like, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. And she's like, well, the thing is, I grew up in a very conservative, traditional Christian family. And, and there was a way of thinking about Jesus and what Jesus wanted from my life. And so there's this way, and then there's what you guys say about Jesus on Sundays. And they're very, very different. And so as the conversation unfolded, what we kind of get to is like, there's like sort of traditional Jesus and then there's city church Jesus. <laughs> and these, these felt like very, very different things. And, um, and, and so if any of you are feeling weird about this, no, I don't actually think they're two different Jesuses. Um, but there's a reality, right? That the way we think and talk about Jesus, maybe it really does feel different. And so as my friend was continuing to talk and, and share what she was wrestling with, it was the sense that traditional Jesus was really, really concerned about her sex life, really concerned about her sex life and and a whole list of other things that were sort of like these moral to do's and so that her parents seeing her follow a jesus who wasn't whose check boxes did not look the same were saying like you're just making jesus into whoever you want him to be right like you're, you're just you're following an easy comfortable jesus you know you're just picking and choosing what you want to think about jesus and there was part of her that was wondering is that true you know, okay, so there's a philosophical question there, right? Which is just kind of like, okay, can any of us, like, I mean, because our parents are kind of assuming that they're the ones who can, like, just look at Jesus without doing any picking and choosing, right? That somehow they have this pristine way of reading scripture that, you know, that they're, they're not picking and choosing. Okay, that's questionable. Um, but then there's this really real question where I think what I wanted to ask, I was like, well, city church Jesus, does he require anything of you? Like, is City Church Jesus comfortable? Does City Church Jesus say, yeah, do whatever makes you feel good? Like, is that actually what you're hearing on any given Sunday? Is that, is that the message that you're receiving? And that's really the question that we're gonna, we're gonna launch into today as we, we hear and dive into what for many of us might be a very traditional scripture we've heard many, many times, and is there a way to reimagine it? Uh, Dottie, anything you want to add as we like dive in? I love it. No? Let's get into it. All right, it. Let's, let's go. Let's do go. our scripture reading. Yeah. Okay. Would you welcome with us our friend Brian Raphael, who's going to be reading scripture this morning. Woo-woo! Thank you so much, Brian. And if, you, if you're here in person and you'd like to stand, we like to stand here at City Church just in honor of the reading of God's word. Truth who transforms us, Sermon 424. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People of God, this is the word of God. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. All right, thanks, Brian. So this morning we are talking about this verse in John uh, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. So for some of you, you may have heard this verse before and it might actually be a little triggering or alarming, right? Um, 
some of you may have heard it and don't have much of a like emotional response to it and others of you this might be new uh previously for many of us this has been a verse that's been alarming because it's it's created some hard lines right of there is the way of jesus and you're either in or you're out and so previously for me this was a verse that made me really uncomfortable and scared um and so when we approach this story as we're talking about these these jesus stories i both don't like and love this verse i have a complicated relationship with it um as it has brought up a lot for me so wherever you're at i want to give a little bit of context to this verse um and where it's taking place in the Bible. So it's in the New Testament of the Bible, so where the Jesus story begins, and it's in the fourth gospel called the Gospel of John. And in this fourth gospel, uh, the writer is really passionate about Jesus and about Jesus's story, and first introduces Jesus in chapter one as the word. The gospel writer says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And so from the start, the, the introduction of Jesus is as the word, or in Greek called logos. And so there's this very significant weight of Jesus as the word. And, and Jesus in the Gospel of John is God fully revealed to creation. The word, the logos, fully revealed. And it's a really beautiful and compelling story. And throughout the story, throughout the Gospel of John, John often comes to this term truth and uses this, this word truth a lot to describe Jesus. And so by the time we get to this verse in John 14, Jesus is responding to his disciples. They're freaked out that Jesus is gonna die. And they're, they're nervous and asking like, where are we gonna go? And Jesus is responding to them, telling them, away and so we get to this verse and it's not a shock but it's really congruent with what the gospel writer is doing and jesus says i am the way i am the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and in the gospel of john jesus and god are often referred to as father and son that's a metaphor that's used really frequently and so a popular way that we've often responded to this text is okay no one gets to god except through jesus that means you're in or you're out i have the truth i have the way i have the life and those that don't don't and so it's kind of we've taken this verse a lot of times and it's been a really exclusive response there's those that are in and there's those that are there that are out and so there's this one camp of kind of like an absolute belief statement right like this verse is about having the right belief and then there's another way that has been handled of like, well, actually all truth is relative. And so there's kind of these two competing camps of you either have this right way of believing and thinking in the head or all truth is relative, anything goes. And so as we come back to Brenna's story, like, but does City Church Jesus or just Jesus in general, <laughs> but I do think the term City Church Jesus is really, hilarious <laughs> does like does jesus ask more of us right is jesus calling for us to have this right belief system or is there something else is there an alternative to it not being about an exclusive belief system and it not being about anything goes is there another way 
We know that during the time that this, this gospel writer John was writing, there were also Gnostics who were also Christians, and they understood the world through the dualism of your head and your body. And those two were often separated. And so some people, when they approach this text, they actually say they think John was trying to do something really significant here and remind us about the body, that the way of Jesus is not about the right head knowledge, but there's something about our embodied experience that matters. Uh, that's so huge. And we can take that in so many different places. One thing just to like say from the beginning, though, is as we look at this and we think it's Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. Just this idea of truth. Let's focus in on that word to start just for a second. Like, he's saying, I am the truth. And so already there's this tension, right? Because when I think about truth most of the time, whether I'm thinking about like capital T truth, like Dottie was talking about the very sort of like absolute way of thinking about truth or a lowercase truth, you know, that's that's relative. I'm thinking about like things, beliefs, something sort of intangible, you know, just in my head, right? Like it, it automatically feeds into that, that, that sense of belief system. And already Jesus is shaking that up because he's saying, I am the truth. Truth not as idea, truth as person, truth as relationship. Like already, that's just a huge reorientation. What it brought to mind for me was thinking about, um, you know, if you're in a season of life where you you feel like you need some change, right? There, there are a couple of different approaches you could take. Uh, you know, you could go on Instagram or YouTube and like, you know, search. I, I may do this a little bit too often sometimes, right? Like I look for the guru, right? Who might have some ideas or I might go into a bookstore looking for the book, the self-help book that's gonna help me in this area where I feel like I need to grow. But then there are relational ways of trying to grow where, hey, I might actually, maybe there's a support group for that. Or maybe I need to go talk to my therapist or I'm gonna go talk with my best friend and I'm gonna like, like hash it out. And, and when we think about it, what usually works better? Like which, which way actually often like actually creates the most life change? It's often not when we're just like reading something. It's often not just getting the right ideas. So often, it's like, I mean, I think when I sit with my therapist, right? And yeah, we're talking ideas, particularly like the messed up ideas I might have in my head. Um, but it's in this context of relationship, a flesh and blood person who, yes, is helping me feel safe. Yes, is creating this environment of comfort and love. And yet it's also a space of challenge. It's also a space where truth is given flesh and bones and, and, and it's just flowing between us in a relational way. And, Oh, it's, it's just so much more powerful when truth is embodied in a person. Yeah, I love that. This, this flesh and bones of truth. And one of the things that happens when we think about, when we talk about truth as a belief system, is it can kind of escape reality, right? It's almost like transcending what's actually happening here when we rely on this truth as just right way of thinking or right belief. Uh, what's amazing about Jesus is Jesus did not escape reality. Jesus really was with creation as the truth, providing a new way. And in um, John 18, so after this verse is said, it says, um, 
Jesus says, for this I was born and this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth, listen to my voice. So again, I said earlier, this theme of truth is all throughout this fourth gospel. And Jesus is saying, I have come to testify to the truth, to provide a testimony, a lived experience of what truth looks like. And Jesus is, is about this way, right? I, am, I have come to witness to the truth. I belong to the truth, to live into the truth. In John 8, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So this theme is so important um, of what is truth. And it's a type of truth that will make you free. And it's the truth that Jesus is providing in the way is always about his relationship to God and creation. Truth for Jesus is not about the right belief system. Truth is about how am I living this embodied, beautiful process. And yeah, so Catherine Keller says, this truth has little to do with right or wrong belief or dogma. It is a truth of right relation to be embodied and enacted. So truth, the spirit-filled truth is about here and now. What am I doing here and now? May your kingdom come. So one of the ways that we've we've kind of been thinking about this has been, I was thinking about um, uh, when I went to seminary. So I went to seminary, which is like studying um, the Bible, theology, and all of that. And I remember talking to a guy, and he said, um, yeah, I really want to go to seminary so I know everything and I can win some arguments. <laughs> and Delightful. I was like, gross, that is super, super alarming, right? That's really gross. And I and I've been reflecting back of like, okay, I went to seminary. I was never, I've never been the smartest. It's actually a huge insecurity of mine. So I knew I would never be the smartest in my classes. I would never know the most. But I really cared about what I was learning. And I really cared about that that truth is this like opportunity and the pursuit of learning more is this opportunity to be transformed by it that i'm not reading information or i'm not encountering communities to have the most knowledge like i don't need to win an argument but how is it actually changing my life and i don't think like seminary is the most like best thing ever this is just an example for my life um, and during that time, I got to work with amazing communities, right, of different religious backgrounds that helped me continue to go, what is truth and how does this transform my life? What is the way of Jesus? Mm -hmm. And so as we think about this, I, it's just good to, to remember, like, our, the point of following Jesus is not to have the right belief system, and it's not to win an argument. Mm -hmm. The point of following Jesus is to be transformed, that something incredible happens to my life and liberation is brought to myself and to those around me when I am a part of the way of Jesus. <laughs> so maybe truth is, is less about having the right belief system in Jesus. Maybe truth is less about obtaining the right head knowledge. Maybe truth is less about colonizing doctrine. And maybe truth is more about being transformed 
transformed by the way of Jesus. Truth is not something that we are supposed to obtain, but it's something that is supposed to transform us. And to possess the truth sometimes is, is to miss out on the whole point of truth as the spirit-filled transformative process. Yeah, I mean, it's this whole idea of there's, there's a whole scripture about knowledge puffing up, yeah. right, that comes to mind, right? Um, there's a, for some of you, you might be familiar with Carlos Rodriguez, The Happy Givers, um, incredible, uh, just thought-provoking writer and activist, and he says, I don't care how much scripture you quote, how do you treat people, right? That is like a test, like, you can you can have everything memorized you can know all the things if your knowledge does nothing to how you actually live in the world do you really have the truth maybe even more importantly does the truth have you right and so i i come back to this word life i'm the way the truth and the life and one of the things that i i think so many of us find so helpful to say like the way that you're thinking about Jesus, the way that you are approaching Jesus, the way that you are trying to connect with Jesus, whatever your sense of the divine is, does it bring life? This is actually a test that Jesus himself suggested, thinking that, yeah, there, there's false teaching out there, right? And man, any of us who get up and we talk to like big groups of people, and we should all, like, we should be a little cautious about, man, am I, Am I teaching falseness? Again, I'm just assuming we're all on the same page. Bill, Dottie, and I, we're, we're gonna say some wrong things. Everybody's aware of that? Good. Okay, but broad strokes. Are we like, are we giving you false teaching, right? Are we presenting a Jesus who is just totally off, off mark? Well, the test that Jesus suggests is as, hey, you're gonna know them by their fruits. And he doesn't get really super specific. He just says, hey, good trees, good fruit. Bad trees, bad fruit. So we kind of have to go to the rest of the context. What is he talking about here? Well, the context is this whole incredible, one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, takes chapters and chapters in the book of Matthew. And, and it's this book about this radically loving way of life, which kind of gives you the sense that good fruit might be radically loving fruit radically loving fruit what kind of fruit does it bring is it is it fruit that leads towards love and life this this restoration this shalom between people between us and god us and people us in the world i mean all of creation we just had earth day what is the fruit personally like one of the the questions that i find really helpful for myself and even sometimes talking with others some of you may have heard this you know you come like Rena, i'm not sure if i'm going to go do this or that or the other and and the question might be what would be life-giving right because the fruit good fruit would be one that that brings you life the life that jesus said he came to bring you life to the full what would life-giving fruit be? It's a question that comes from the examine. If any of you are familiar with that, it's a practice usually towards the end of your day where you're looking back and you're considering and, and you're looking for those God traces in your life. And you ask questions like, where did I experience life? Where did I experience consolation? 
And what we mean by that isn't something just as simple as like, I felt happy. It's actually saying, where did I sense God was moving in the world and I got to participate. I got to live into the truth that Jesus just is. I got to live into this, this God way of being in the world. So it's not just like, wow, you know, it felt really life-giving as free as I just felt like I could just leave my trash, right? Like, and I just got to go walk off and leave my trash for somebody else. Wow, that was life-giving. No, that doesn't work. Did you really feel like that was like a, a way of living into God in the world? I, you know, I felt so free and full of life as I slapped that person. Really? Really? Was that how you were participating in the life of God? No, it's not that easy, right? It's not just what makes me happy. It's a sense that God, shown to us so concretely by Jesus, has a particular shape and way of being, and it, it's full of love. It's full of gentleness. It's full of compassion. It's full of justice. Because we're all connected together. One of the things, again, about this incredible sermon uh, is that the message that Jesus was, was preaching, this radical love that he was describing, he was demonstrating in his very being, was a love that focused on the poor, the meek, those who mourn. If you're resonating with some of that, it's because in the Beatitudes, right? The very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. These were the kinds of people who were saying, this is where our love flows. These are the people that get lifted up. This is how wholeness comes into fruition. Uh, the incredibly just important and wonderful black theologian James H. Cohn put it this way, any message that is not related to the liberation of the poor in society is not Christ's message. Any theology that is indifferent to the theme of liberation is not Christian theology. Any fruit that doesn't move from what's life-giving to me to what's life-giving for all of us, not just the people in my circles, but all of us, all of us, it's not, it's not Jesus. And so there's a test. Does the city church Jesus, there's whatever Jesus you're trying to follow, does he love that way? Is he inviting you in to that kind of love? Thanks, Frenna. Yeah, so <clears throat> coming back to the story, right, what is city church Jesus or Jesus? <laughs> ask of us and call um, for us. And is, is this all, this whole conversation, is this about having the right moral code or just living an ethical life? Or where is the spirit? What's spiritual about this, this call to follow Jesus? And as we were preparing this, I kind of laughed and I was like, oh man, I've had a really interesting experience. I'm new to City Church. I've only been here since October. And I've talked about like, oh, what has my experience of City Church Jesus been? And I love, I'm making eye contact with Bill because I'm excited about <clears throat> his response. I have been very uh, challenged by City Church Jesus. The more that I hang out with Bill and Brenna, the more I'm like almost irritated of like, this is asking a lot of my life. Um, and... I, they, Bill and Brenna, like, and they haven't vetted this, which is great, um, but like, they really, 
they really care about their communities um, and they really are willing to ask the hardest questions about what does their life look like and how are they willing to serve their communities? And it's questions around how are they using their money? How are they using their status? How are they talking about or not talking about their education? Um, what are they like wearing? Where do they use their resources? And it has really challenged me. I have seen that like City Church Jesus calls us to a very radical life, to alleviate suffering and to care deeply about our communities. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's so good, but it's really, really hard. Um, 